0: So, we are now officially in the heat of the summer, and uh, summertime is officially starting to come to a close, right? School's coming up. Sorry, kids. Um, But also, sadly, the heat is not coming to a close. We still have a little bit longer to go with the heat, but maybe some of you guys have spent some time away this summer, or, as we saw, we have lots of new people here this morning. And so, maybe you haven't been here, maybe you've missed uh, some of these sermons. And so, we want to welcome you guys back who've been traveling and also say a uh, warm hello to all of our new friends today. So, here at Grace, we've been going through the book of Romans for the past four months. And it's good to remember that because these sermons, week to week, are not just isolated messages. Rather, we're gradually going, chunk by chunk, through this one big message that Paul has written to the Romans. So, if you're new, or like I said, maybe you've been gone and you've missed a couple sermons, I'd highly encourage you to try to go back and listen to maybe some of the messages that you've missed. And, For all of us who are here today, I would encourage you to maybe start taking notes uh, from week to week. And that way, as we keep going through Romans, you can begin to put together this full message and these deep truths that God has for us to see. But if you're new or you have been traveling, uh, don't worry that you may be behind or anything like that. Um, God has some amazing truth for all of us to see in our passage this morning. So speaking of We find ourselves, as we've already read, in Romans chapter 6, verses 15 through 23. And the subsection of Romans that we're currently in began all the way back in chapter 5. And since then, Paul has been laying out his case that believers have a certain hope through faith in Christ that we will be counted righteous before God. Now this is our third week in chapter 6, and we'll be finishing off chapter 6 this morning So if you remember what we've been talking about in chapter 6, Paul's been going into detail about how grace plays out in our day-to-day battle with sin. So the chapter starts off by Paul asking the question, are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound all the more? And over the last two weeks with Pastor Steve and Josh, we've seen that Paul's answer is clearly no. We saw that as followers to Christ we have now died to our sin and it's through the Holy Spirit that we turn from the pleasures of this world and we see Christ as our one true treasure. You see we're free from the guilt of our sin and yet we are not sinless. See we're united with Christ in his death and so we have died to our sin and today we live with a new life that Christ has purchased for us and we wage war on our sins waiting for that day where we will be in heaven and we'll experience no more sin and no more pain and no more death and we ended last week in verse 14 which says this for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace you're not under law but you're under grace now when Paul says under law, he's, he's talking about people who think that by their actions they can achieve righteousness and therefore be considered righteous before a holy God. And from this perspective, law-keeping becomes the means through which you are justified. This is for those who are trusting themselves to be good enough. And if I believe that by my actions or by my reasoning I can attain righteousness, I would be considered under the law. This is the state of every unbeliever. Their actions are held to God's standard of righteousness, which is perfection. And no man can attain that since we are all born sinners. And by contrast, we as believers, Paul says that we are under grace. And so being under grace signifies that all of our righteousness, including the righteousness of Christ, is bestowed upon us by faith alone. You see, you don't deserve it, and we don't earn it. This righteousness that we get through God's grace, it, it forms the foundation of our right standing before a holy God. Christ was born under the law as a man, and he flawlessly fulfilled it. And therefore, he's the one who attained righteousness. And by putting our trust in Christ as our righteousness, we free ourselves from the state of being under the law, and we now embrace freedom, that is, by being under grace. And this idea of not being under the law anymore leads us to Paul's question, where we begin this morning in verse 15. He says this, What then? Are we to sin because we're not under law, but under grace? Now that he said that we as believers aren't under the law, Paul is anticipating this question saying, okay, this is awesome. So wait, Paul, you're telling me that I am no longer under the law? That's sweet, right? So since I'm no longer under the law and you've given me grace... You're telling me I'm free to do whatever I want now? So to tell you a little bit about myself, uh, a big, really, really important portion of my life is that I'm a really, really big sports fan. Like, I really, really love sports. And I come from Dallas in the U.S., which is one of the major sports markets in America, and I really love our teams, okay? And I know that we have lots of kids here uh, this morning, and so I'm curious You can, if you want to, if you just raise your hand, are any of you guys really big sports fans? Anybody? Okay, we got one in the back. Nice, okay, we have some. Awesome. Glad to see I'm not alone here. What about adults and kids included? Does anybody like or follow Premier League football? Anybody? Yeah, yeah, okay, so that got a little bit bigger. So I'm gonna be completely honest. I don't know much about Premier League. Okay, I just, I don't follow it, it's not my thing. Um, But I do know that players' contracts work very similar to players' contracts in U.S. professional sports. And if you don't speak sports, I'll try to explain maybe what that means. So let's take uh, our footballer, Joe, as an example, okay? Joe plays for Team A, okay? So similar to how a lot of our employment contracts work, he says, hey, t A, I I will play for you for X amount of years. And T-May says, hey, that's great, Joe. And because you do that, we'll give you X amount of money. And you see there's an agreement between the two. And they sign the contract. You say, you're going to play this long. And then they say, hey, we'll pay you this much. But then that contract comes to an end. And the term that we would call Joe after he's out of that contract is a free agent. We would say that he's entered into free agency, right? And what this means is that Joe's been set free from Team A, and he now has the freedom to go check out Team B and Team C and Team D to see where he might want to play next. So let's say that Team B is offering Joe more money than any other team in the league. And if money is the motivating factor for Joe, he's probably going to sign with Team B. But let's say that Team C shows a lot of promise for winning the championship this year, right? They're really, really good. And Joe has always wanted to win a championship. So what he can do is he can elect to take less money and go sign with Team C in in hopes of finally winning his championship. You see, Joe, in that free agency period, he can kinda go to whatever team he thinks suits him best For that period of time and sometimes we as believers we think that we opt operate like free agents now we think hey god has set me free from my sin and now i get to do whatever i want i don't have to worry about my sin because i know that my sin is covered we think that at any moment we can go to the most intriguing bitter So if serving God benefits me right now, then I'll gladly go and serve God. But sometimes we're in situations where we say, oh, man, that sin over there looks pretty good to me. I think I may go over there and have some of that because it benefits me right now. We somehow get the idea that we're free agents, that we can bounce back and forth between teams choosing whatever we want. We can serve God and we we can serve our flesh And we can give in to our sin anytime we want to. That's what we think sometimes. But Paul makes it clear here in verse 15 that we are not free to do whatever we want. He answers his own question by saying, are we free to do whatever we want? And Paul says, by no means. So we'll see in verses 16 through 23 how Paul makes it clear that everyone is either enslaved to sin or you're enslaved to God. And there's a compensation for each employment opportunity, but you can't bounce back and forth between teams. We'll see how as believers, we are set free from the bondage of our sin. And through the power of grace, we now live holy lives in submission to God. And our prize is enjoying Christ for eternity. And I've divided up today's passage into three different sections, and hopefully in a way that is easy for us, as well as some of the kids who are in the room today, uh, to be able to remember what we've talked about. And so, I believe we'll see that Paul, that Paul has given us a truth to believe, a command to obey, and he tells us that there's a cost and a benefit for us to consider. So a truth to believe, a command to obey, and then there's a cost and a benefit for us to consider. First, let's take a look at the truth to believe found in verses 16 through 18. Here it is. Here's our truth. When you were set free from your sin, you became a slave to righteousness. When God set you free from your sin, you then became a slave to righteousness. Let's take a look in verse 16. Paul says this, Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves... You are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. You see, verse 16 makes it clear that no one is free or under their own control. We all submit to one of these two masters, either of sin or either of God. And in today's world, in many of the cultures that we come from, They're moving towards this acceptance of the idea of independence and self-reliance, right? The world tells us that we're the masters of our own lives and that you control your own destiny. But in contrast, the Bible says something very different. It says that we all submit to something. And we must come to terms with that. We must identify who it is that we're submitting to and we have to realize that we cannot serve both God and sin. Jesus said something similar in the, the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 24, where he says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So let's go back to our footballer Joe as an example, right? Let's say Joe's in the middle of his game and he has a wide open empty net and he's gearing up and he's getting ready to score this goal on this empty net and then he stops and he turns around and he sprints all the way back down the field and he scores a goal against his own team. It makes no sense, right? Players don't do that. You only play for one team and you only serve one master. And this is more than just who it looks like you're serving from the outside. You see, we can come to church and we can give some money here and there and we can do all of the good Christian things that Christians are supposed to do. But the question is, who do you serve when no one is watching? To whom do you obey when no one's around? Are you submitting to Christ or are you selfishly giving in to sin thinking that it will give you something greater? Who is your master? It matters, right? Because in verse 16, it's telling us here that obedience to sin leads us to death, but obedience to God leads us to righteousness. Remember that. We'll come back to that idea later on. Let's take a look in verses 17 and 18, where we'll see how Christ has set us free to now obey. He says this, But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you are committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. Now back in Romans 5, we looked at how Adam's original sin has now infiltrated all of mankind throughout history. You see, we are all born sinners. And verse 17 is saying the exact same thing here. You who were once slaves of sin, when we came into this world, we came under the bondage of our sin. But Paul says here, but thanks be to God. Christ has set us free, and he's given us a new life. And because of that, he expects us to change how we live our lives. It says that we have become obedient from the heart. And church, it's important for us to realize that it is only God himself who can change the heart of man. Josh mentioned it last week in his message in Ezekiel 36. We see how God takes our heart of stone and replaces it with a heart of flesh. And by nature, your heart of stone is literally unable to pursue righteousness. Let's take a look in the book of Ezekiel, what he says here. It says, "...and I," talking about God, "...will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove your heart of stone from your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh." And I will put my spirit within you. And then, what will we do? We'll cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey our rules. See, on the cross, Jesus purchased us these new hearts. And when we place our faith in his life and death and resurrection, God promises here to give you a new heart. And once we have these new hearts, we notice that our desires start to change, right? We start to turn away from this sin that we've been so enthralled in our entire life, and we now start moving towards righteousness and God's commandments. And this is through this promised Holy Spirit that he's given us, that we are now enabled to live righteously. Let's go back to Romans in verse 17. Says this, we've become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you are committed. So when we become slaves to God, there is now a standard by which we live our lives. We've been given the scriptures to read and see clearly how the Lord has commanded us to live our lives. We now look to the Bible and Christ's commands and we allow those to dictate how we live our lives. And if the Bible now influences our lives, it's imperative that we have a right understanding as to what it says. You see, we can't come to the Scriptures with our preconceived notions or maybe our own thoughts about what the Bible should say or maybe what I want it to say or maybe this is what somebody who's told me in the past, this is what the Bible says. We can't settle for that. Church, we should pray and ask God to help us understand the Scriptures. For the Holy Spirit to seal the words that we read upon our hearts. We should labor to rightly understand what it is the Bible says and how it asks us to live our lives now. Paul goes on in verse 18 And having been set free from sin, you have now become slaves of righteousness. You see, here there is no middle ground and there are no free agents. You who were once slaves to sin have now been set free from this bondage of sin, and we now live our lives in submission to God. And as we looked at last week, we all know and understand that we as believers, we still struggle with our sin. It's still present in our lives, and it will be until the day that we die. But you see here, going back to verse 14 this is where we see the power of being under grace. We're not perfect, and we have sin in our lives, but church, we have the promise that we are not enslaved to this sin, and so if you are under grace, there is no way that you are enslaved to this sin anymore. Christ has freed you from it, beautiful news, right? You have found this treasure in the field that we talked about in the parable a couple weeks ago, and there's now no way that you are turning back for anything less. You have now become a slave to God, and through Christ, sin has no hold on you, and you are indeed set free. There's a truth for us to believe this morning, and it's that when you were set free from your sin, You became a slave to righteousness. In verse 19, we come to our second section this morning where Paul gives us a command to obey. And our command is that we would present yourselves as slaves to righteousness. Present yourselves as slaves to righteousness. He starts off in verse 19 by saying this, I'm speaking in human terms, Because of your natural limitations. So, Paul admits here at the beginning of verse 19 that the illustration of slavery that he's using is not necessarily perfect. And maybe this morning you're bothered when you hear the word slavery. And honestly, that makes sense. You see, many of our cultures that are represented in this room have dark periods in their histories that are scarred by slavery. But here, there are some aspects of slavery that Paul doesn't want us to connect with our relationship with God. And at the same time, there are aspects of slavery that do still apply. So in some of my reading this week, I saw where John Piper says that slavery here doesn't imply us being coerced or forced into doing something against our will. Like many of us probably picture slavery Paul is talking about how it's our will is the thing that is enslaved. You see, there's two options. We're either bound and enslaved to do, uh, to do sin, or we're bound to do acts of righteousness. And now sometimes we do what we don't want to do and we sin, but as believers, we our will is enslaved to obey God. And because we love him, we will obey his commands. We either love our sin or we are so renewed in Christ that we see righteousness as more compelling and therefore we are bound to obey. It isn't perfect and Paul admits that but this illustration helps package for us the importance of giving ourselves wholly over to God and not our sin. So an important question we should ask is, why does a slave serve his master? Why does he serve his master? And the slave serves his master because he has been bought. Someone has paid a price to call him theirs. And that church is the beautiful picture of the gospel. You see, we were hopeless and broken in our sin without any hope. And Jesus, being fully satisfied in community with the Trinity in heaven, he humbled himself as a servant, and he came down to earth. He was 100% man. He was born under the law, just like we were. But the difference was, he was also 100% God. And what that means is he was able to live up to the law perfectly. He obeyed everything that it said. Jesus himself was a perfect man. And even though this guy was innocent and he never did anything wrong, he took on the wrath of God that was directed at us and our sin. And Jesus didn't just pay the minimum fee. Jesus paid the ultimate price by laying down his own life on our behalf. You see, we, church, we were bought by a good and gracious king that loves us and gave his life for us. Church, we serve a good master. Now at the end of verse 19, we see how slavery progresses, and then we'll get to our command. It says this, for, for just as you once presented your members as slavery to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now... Present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. When we were slaves to our sin, it only produced impurity and lawlessness. And we see here that lawlessness only leads to more and more lawlessness. The slavery of sin is not stagnant. Our sin only leads to more sin and more deterioration, and ultimately, it leads to death. So let's take the example of the sin of lying, okay? So maybe as a kid, you really, really wanted to look cool in front of all of your friends. And so you would tell stories and you would just slightly twist the truth just a little bit, just a few minor details, you know, to make it sound just a little bit cooler. And then later on, you get to the point where you've told these stories so much, you've told these lies so much, you start to believe them yourself. You start to get comfortable with this idea of lying. And then it becomes easy to lie to your parents when you get to high school about what you're doing and who you're going to hang out with on a Friday night. And then later on in your marriage, you start to hide secret sins from your spouse because you've been doing this your whole life. And that leads to awful decisions and hearts broken and you thriving on the manipulation of others simply to get what you want. You see, being a slave to sin causes you to go deeper and deeper into sinning. And there are massive, massive consequences for our sin. Paul also says here that our slavery to God is also not stagnant. Verse 19 says that when we are obedient to God, it leads to sanctification. And sanctification is the believer's onward progress of growing more and more into the likeness of Christ. And it's us growing in righteousness. And so over time, we're pulled further and further away from our sin and we more clearly see Jesus as our prize and our treasure. See, we have joy now in obeying his commands. Let's take the sin of pride, for example. Someone who's being sanctified will surely slip up, and because he still deals with his sin, right? So he will surely slip up and be prideful from time to time. But overall, he knows that the Bible says that the defense against pride is humility, He knows that being prideful isn't what Christ has called him to do, and so daily he humbles himself before Christ, and he admits his weakness before God, and he he pleads to him to, he asks God to enable him to walk with humility today. You see, this guy, he'll start to sacrificially serve his family. He'll love his enemies when it makes no sense to do so, and he doesn't get upset when someone calls out sin in his life, right? He's gotten rid of that pride. Rather, he's quick to listen, and he goes to the Lord in prayer, seeking to get rid of that sin. Now, this isn't something that this guy nails overnight, but, when, but he knows and he has confidence That he is covered by grace when he fails. And he daily trusts God to continue to, to renew him day by day. And over time, he more readily walks in humility. Church, you see, slavery is not a stagnant thing. At the end of verse 19, Paul gives us here our command to obey this morning. He says, present yourselves as slaves to righteousness. You see, God paid the ultimate price for our salvation. And so, out of love and gratitude and beholding who Christ is, we now resolve to live a life of holiness, a life of righteousness. We were empowered by being under grace, and we've now been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so, we trade these worldly treasures that we once loved and we held tightly, and we now submit ourselves to our God and our Savior. Lastly, we'll see how there is a compensation from the master that we serve. One offers a great cost, and the other offers an invaluable gift. There's a cost and a benefit for all of us to consider this morning. The sin you once serve leads to death, and the Savior you now serve leads to eternal life. In verses 20 and 21, we see again how serving sin leads to death. It says this, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Now Paul's not saying here that you were free from the obligations of God. He's saying that under the slavery of sin, you sure did feel like you were free. You were chasing the things of this world, and in doing so, you were free But you are free from righteousness. You see, there was nothing good or holy or right before God in the things that you were doing when you were in your sin. And he continues on in verse 21 by saying, But what fruit were you getting at that time when you were living in your sin? From the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Church, there is no gain from sin. When you lie, you end up deceiving and hurting yourself and the ones that you love. When you lust, you're always left empty and simply just wanting more. When we're prideful, we just want more things that will feed our egos. You see, none of these sins ever truly satisfy us. They don't bring us joy and surely what Paul's saying here is that none of these things bear anything good or anything righteous. And Paul says the end of the enslavement to sin is death. We reject the grace of God and the good things that he has offered us. And in turn, we will spend an, etern- an eternity separated from him with eternal death and eternal punishment. That's the reality this morning. But for those of us who have repented of our sins and now submit to God, there is a great, great benefit for us to see. Verse 22. But now you have been set free, now that you have been set free from your sins and have become slaves to God, the fruit that, that you get leads to sanctification and its end is eternal life. So as we talked about before, we place our faith in Christ and through grace, He immediately frees us from the grip of our sin. And we are daily being sanctified and molded more and more into the image of Christ. And where does that sanctification ultimately lead? It's eternal life. Church, we have a sure hope and a confidence that one day we will throw off the weightiness of this flesh And we will be with our God. We're going to spend every day for the rest of eternity beholding the face of our gracious Lord, our good Lord, our Master, who has purchased us with His own blood that He shed on the cross. We have the promise that we will enjoy and worship our God now and forevermore. This is amazing news. There's a massive, massive benefit for us to consider this morning. And Paul ends this section, and he, and he caps off where we've placed chapter 6 and, um, with verse 23. And he says this, kind of putting all of this together. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, the payment for your labor under the enslavement of sin, it's the wages that you have earned, and that payment is death. But this morning, today, right, for those of us who haven't put our faith and hope and trust in Christ, Christ is holding out this gift. This marvelous gift that you don't deserve and you haven't earned it, but by faith alone and through grace alone, we are given the gift of eternal life through Christ Jesus. There's a cost and a benefit for all of us to consider this morning. The sin you once served leads to death. And the Savior you now serve leads to eternal life. Before we end our time uh, today, let's take a look at three different ways that we can apply this message to our lives. First, if you are enslaved to your sin, today submit to Christ. It doesn't matter how much you've done wrong in your life, and it doesn't matter how trapped you feel by your sin, and you may feel like there is no way out. But turn your eyes upon Jesus. His grace is ready for you today. And today, he is offering you eternal life. Repent from your sins, and and now instead of trusting yourself, trust Christ to be your righteousness. And you have the promise of eternal life if you do those things. Second point. Believers, don't continue on in your sin resolve to live a life of holiness you see this is not something that we can just muster up the strength to accomplish or something that we just try harder and harder and maybe i'll beat that sin next week and i'll go get them go get them next time you know that's not that's not how we beat our sin that's not how god has empowered us you must pray and ask god to remove this burden from you you need to believe that christ has already paid the price for all of your sins, past, present, and future. You should ask the Holy Spirit to empower you and deliver you from these temptations when you face them. Spend time in God's Word and see more and more of the treasure and less of the worldly pleasures. Don't hide in the dark. See, God has provided DNAs and home groups here at church and community that we live amongst that helps us battle our sin. Take a look in uh, the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, 11 through 14. It says this, "'Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, "'but instead expose them. "'For it is shameful to even speak of the things that they do in secret. "'But when anything is exposed by the light,' It becomes visible, for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. You see, when we bring our sin to light, we have the promise that the light of Christ will shine upon us. And yet we feel the weight of our sin and the magnitude of us disobeying God, but we also taste of his grace, and of his kindness that he is ready to offer you every single time. And so no matter how far you've gone or what it is that you may have done, I encourage you to bring it to light and truly believe that this morning you are no longer a slave to the sin you once served. Christ has already paid the price. Last thing. Really understand that you and everyone around you is enslaved. You see, we live in a city that's full of people who are enslaved to their sin. They have yet to taste, and many of them have yet to even hear of the freedom that is offered in Christ. And so share this good news with others. Tell of the amazing grace that God offers, and hold out this gift of salvation to those around you. And be reminded that you too were once a slave to sin. So thank God for what he's done for you and in your life. And now respond by obeying his commands. Love others more than you love yourself. Forgive others just as the Lord has forgiven you. You see, we have been set free from the chains of sin. So now live your life in submission to God And live your life in a way that shines brightly in our dark, dark world. Let's pray. God, we thank you again just for the time this morning. We thank you for your word and the gift of your word. God, I pray over Grace Church this morning, over myself. God, I pray that as we have spent time in your word this morning, that you would um, let it settle in in our hearts this morning. God, would you... Um, Would you reveal sin that's been hiding for days or months or years, God? Would Would you show us hidden areas of our lives that we have not yet given over to you and where we're still serving our sin in different capacities? And God, we thank you that you are a gracious, gracious, good God. God, that you went to the cross and you paid the ultimate price. You didn't leave us there in our sin, broken and without hope. God, you have set us free through the power of the cross. Help us to believe that. Help us to see that this morning. God, deliver us from sin and Holy Spirit, enable us to walk in righteousness. We ask all of these things so that you would be glorified and made known, not only in our lives, but in the lives of others around us. We pray this for your glory good.